again and welcome back to another episode of the What's Your Point with me, Jean-Luc Wolf. Make some noise, clap it up wherever you want. Let's get it popping up in here. We're excited. We got NBA preseason to cover. Specifically two major stories, or these two major teams that have, have started playing in the preseason. What's going on with them? The Phoenix Suns and the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to cover the Brooklyn Nets later on. We're going to cover exactly where I think they're going to be able to go, or how far they're going to be able to go in the regular season, depending on their new found roster with Ben Simmons. Oh, I'm going to jump in on that. But trust and believe the biggest story of today right now is the Suns' surprising loss to the uh, 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 Albany, Albany 36ers, essentially an Australian NBL team. The Phoenix Suns, while it's preseason, lost to the uh, 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 an NBL team, the Australian 76ers, I believe their name is, for the first, and it's the first time a team has lost, an NBA team has lost to a non-NBA team since 2016 with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So now, in the shock loss, they lost 134 to 124. This right now for me is a dire situation. Okay, maybe dire is a bit too drastic, but this is a at minimum worrying situation for the Phoenix Suns. Reason being, the Phoenix Suns, again, this is a team that at one point in time was seen as not just a legitimate threat, but a team that could actually win a title. Again, they all, they got to the finals, what is it, two years ago, lost to, the, to Giannis in the Bucks in that dominant performance that he had, scoring 50 points, then come back, same roster, look poised to have even more success and get back to the finals. Then they lose to the Mavericks in an absolutely abysmal performance. What was it about like 30, 40? I can't remember how much they were down. It was a lot, and it wasn't what was expected of this team. I can tell you that right now. And so because of that, now we got to look at this roster. and now, Or rather, because of that situation, now we're, we were on the fence. We were like, okay, hold on. Wait a minute, what's going on with this team? This team was supposed to be somebody that was poised to be a major threat in the Western Conference and for the entire NBA for a number of years. Youthful, young, got a great coach in Monty Williams, has a phenomenal roster from top to bottom that has depth, has size, has length, has speed, has defense, and has shooting, and has leadership on the court in Chris Paul, coupled with a young up-and-coming star in Devin Booker, who many people were saying was a is is a top ten player, I believe he even got he even got put as a top ten player in today's NBA or maybe top fifteen. Either way, for looking for him to take that elevated step, become even and even go from star to superstar. At least in my eyes, go from star to superstar, and then boom, now they're back in the finals again. That's what many people were saying about the Phoenix Suns, but now. My goodness, in the span of seven days, a whole bunch of stuff has happened that has changed my entire outlook on what this Suns team can actually do. It's not just the loss that they had to the, the Australian team. It's the fact that, on top of that, DeAndre Ayton doesn't look happy being there. Jake Crowder's asking for a trade because he, per reports, has lost his starting spot on the roster and has been asked to come off the bench. And now he's saying, let, let me get out of here. All this stuff has happened, and it's begging the question, are the Phoenix Suns still holding on to the weight of that essentially choke job that they had against the Dallas Mavericks? Is this team has their window of opportunity to be a dominant title contending team closed? And is, are we now looking at a Phoenix Sun squad that no longer is going to be a major threat to get to a title? Because inside the house, stuff is burning down. On paper, yeah, they still got the roster together. On paper, they still got the great coach. On paper, they still got the good organization. They got the depth. Like I said before, length, speed, strength, all that stuff. Offensive ability can run the fast break. On paper. It looks like they should have everything together. However, seemingly, every time I turn around, something comes up that more and more whispers in my ear, hey, 
don't have so much trust in these Phoenix Suns. That team, that team that down there in Arizona, they ain't as good as you as you keep saying. But a hold off on calling this team a contender. Because for some reason, something about them just seems to get more and more further from the truth. At least in my estimation. And that's where the problem resides. The problem with this team, at least in, in, from my vantage point, is the fact that, first off, the pl- oh, there's a plethora of problems. But first off, let's go on to on-court performance. This team gave up 134 points to an NBL team in Australia. This is not to disrespect the 36ers. This is not to disrespect the 36ers. Y'all came, y'all got hot, y'all won. End of story. There's nothing else I need to say. But there is more I need to say <laughs> in terms of on the side of Phoenix. While this is preseason, this gives us a glimpse as to what the mentality, the makeup of a team has going into the regular season. That's a fact. That's absolutely a fact. And because of that, that doesn't mean that every team has to win every game in the preseason. But you need to be able to see, okay, the starters, did they do what they needed to do when they were on the floor? Once we take them off, and let the bench rotation work. Okay, yeah, sure, we would love to see the bench come in and, and, you know, produce and perform. Yeah. But, you know, as long as we see, okay, our main core is playing like they're supposed to play, we're golden. Fine. It's all well and good. It's all well and good. However, that's when it comes to playing against other NBA teams. At least for me. When it comes to playing other NBA squads, that's when, okay, cool. Stuff happens. Players ain't playing hard. Nobody wants to get hurt. You just want get to the mo- get the motor back running. Understandable. But my cutoff for that is at NBA squads. Once you go outside and play against other leagues that aren't in the NBA, now if you start messing up, now we got problems, at least for me. This is not to disrespect anybody that plays overseas nor anybody, any team that plays against NBA squads. No, you're professionals. I get that. But it's also understood that while the while talent from around the league is catching up to the NBA, undoubtedly so, that doesn't change the fact, <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't change the fact that the NBA is still seen as the best league in the world when it comes to baseball, not baseball, basketball. Undeniably. So because of that, when an NBA team goes out and plays against somebody that isn't in the NBA, the expectation still is, okay, they're going to handle their business. That's the expectation. As it should be. Not because we're saying... Teams overseas are bad. No, we just understand how good teams in the States are. Teams in the U.S. are teams in the NBA. We understand how good they are. We understand that even in preseason, they should not be losing. You can almost bet your money, yeah, they're going to get a dub. So when they do lose, it is a cause for pause. And especially when a good team loses, it's a cause for pause. When... Now that the Suns have lost to them, they gave up 134 points to a NBL squad. Three players on that team had 20 points or more. Three. I think one had 34 points. It, 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 it boggled my mind that a team that I, va- I vaunted so much in terms of their ability on the defensive end and their ability to cons- to have a high level of defensive pressure and still be able to perform on the offensive end with their young stars and with their youth and athleticism. Stuff like this should not happen. And because it did happen, now i got to ask the question, okay, are this, is this team really a contender going into the season? Is the implosion starting to happen? Because people are unhappy. DeAndre Ayton wants a trade out. Or, excuse me, Jay Crowder 
wants to be traded out because he's seemingly, per reports, has lost his starting job and is asked to come off the bench. DeAndre Ayton, in media day, doesn't look happy being in there even though he got his money. A lot of the core pieces, or excuse me, one big core piece seems unhappy to be there. Another defensive piece that you have that, again, granted, I'm not saying he's a great starter, but a okay starter, an average starter, that brings physicality, defense, and at times shooting. Now is unhappy. This it, it, this can be a snowball effect of problems. Couple that with everything that's going that happened when they lost to Dallas, the amount of media coverage and the amount of flack that they got from the majority of the NBA world due to the fact that I can't believe we all blew uh, this series in that abysmal of a fashion with Chris Paul coming up short, Devin Booker coming up incredibly short, and the whole roster just just essentially dropping the ball collectively. Is it start? Is it taking a toll? Are they now feeling the effects of what it means to be a high-caliber team in the NBA? Because being a contender doesn't just mean, okay, yeah, I got a shot at the title. That means that you got expectations to consistently perform up until the playoffs. And even when once you get to the playoffs, you got a certain quota that you need to reach for people to say, okay, hey, they, they got to about where I thought they were going to be. They can't get here, but if they don't get here, at worst, they should get to second round, uh, semifinals, Western Conference Finals, any of those stages. Every team that's a contender or that is quote-unquote good has that quota that they should get to this spot in the playoffs per their talent. The Suns, they can get to the finals. They should get to the Western Conference Finals. That's what should be. However, now every time I look around, it seems like something's going on that makes me not believe they're going to be able to get there. Now I'm starting to say semifinals. If it gets, if this keeps snowballing, I'm going to say second round. Shoot, I may even say, if it gets to a point, I may even say first round. I ain't afraid to say it if it gets to that point. Not afraid to say that at all. I don't care how good you are on paper. It's about the production. Because on paper, it's just that. I can read the names. And I, that should be what you all should be good at. Again, prime example, Russell Westbrook. But I can read his name on a roster, and I should be able to say, okay, hey, they got a good point guard. That's if I just read the name. But once you actually play, hey, now... The meaning behind that name starts to change. Now, Russell Westbrook seen as a bum to the majority of the NBA world. Now, granted, it's it's his more so his his fit on the Lakers just is not there. The skill set that he brings and needing to be the main guy in terms of to have the optimal success and be the uh, quintessential driving force for a team, which is where he thrives the best. It's not with L.A. It's not with LeBron, who is going to be the dominant man. Because Westbrook can't play off ball. Westbrook can't shoot. Westbrook isn't a great defender. So his best attribute is having the ball in his hand at all times and making everything happen. That way, all that energy that he has gets used up in a productive way. Because right now, on this team, where he's got to be patient, where he has to move off the ball, where he has to be able to, 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 to utilize energy with, with nothing in his hands, he can't do it. He can't do it. So because of that, this just is a bad fit. But the way he plays, we're saying, the majority of the league is saying, hey, this guy's trash. So the way you play can change the meaning behind what you look like on paper. And the Suns right now on paper were a team that I thought, okay, they're going to come back and produce, perform, and be a major threat to every team in the West. But now 
I'm starting to have questions. I don't know if they can beat the Nuggets. A fully healthy Nuggets, I don't know if they can compete with them. Despite all the talent that they have. I don't know. I show enough now don't think they can compete with the Warriors. I, I, I don't think that top teams in the league need to be as worried about the Suns as they used to be. Because it's not just the fact that, hey, they got, seemingly they got some internal problems, internal struggles, situations where people aren't happy, people want to go. But it's also the fact that the questions of this team are still, when is Devin Booker going to elevate himself? That's one of the big problems that I have with the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns are a team whose best player is Chris Paul. It's not a question. I don't care how much ESPN or anybody else wants to put Devin Booker as a top 15 player, a top 10 player. Somebody's stupid enough to say top five. They're ignorant, but they'll do it. I don't care. Chris Paul is the best player on that Suns roster. He's one of the best defenders. He's also, out of everybody on that team, the best playoff performer consistently throughout his career. The best facilitator. One of the better offensive weapons that this team has to offer consistently when he gets going can give you 30. And comes up clutch. We keep harping on the bad games that he has, not looking at in the same playoff series, having 40-point games in closeouts, having 30-point games in closeouts, coming, stepping up big individually when the rest of the team hasn't, doesn't play well. Normally, everything that we have about Chris Paul, outside every gripe that we have of Chris Paul outside of this uh, last playoff series, the majority of them has been, oh, he was hurt. When he got to Houston, played well, played phenomenal. In closeout games, what did he do? He showed up and showed up big. But what happened? Got hurt on the, got hurt on the Houston Rockets, and then boom. James Harden as a leading man on, on a team that takes the most three, took at that time, took the most threes in the league by a wide margin. Missed 27 threes in a row in the closeout game. The world. It's not his fault. And you can go back through and look at plenty of other situations where he showed up, showed up, showed up, and showed up again consistently in the playoffs. And then it was either because he got hurt or had the occasional bad game. But that wasn't the norm. That's not the norm for him. It's not the norm for him. Normally, he's the guy that is the spark for this squad when they come up and all of a sudden, oh, they got a big run. Oh, shoot, look at them go. He's one of the biggest reasons for their success. Not the biggest reason for the downfall. Again, I've said this in the past. Chris Paul is the main reason that the Suns are where they are right now. Because Devin Booker was still there. DeAndre Ayton was still there. They still had Monty Williams. They had good pieces. And they went 33 and 50-something. The second Chris Paul gets there, oh, shoot. 40-something wins, playoff appearances. Oh, shoot, finals appearance. He taught them how to win. He taught them how to be winning. He taught them how to, how to play at a high level on a consistent basis. I don't care if you love him or hate him. That's what Chris Paul does to organizations. But the point still stands, despite all of that, he should not be the best player on your team. It should be Devin Booker. It should be Devin Booker. But he's not showing up like that. I'm sorry. 27-5-5 is good. Cool. You're still a bum on defense. 
utterly horrendous on defense, absolutely horrible, ain't a great playmaker. I've seen you get frazzled. I've seen you adversity come towards you, and then you haven't shown up like I would think you would need to. Again, the Dallas Mavericks series. We're heaping all this hate on Chris Paul when Devin Booker is supposed to be the guy on that squad, and he did. He went, what, six for 30 in the series, I think? Something like that. Went, was absolutely abysmal. Couldn't stop nobody. And if he if he ain't scoring, understand this about Devin Booker. If that brother ain't scoring, he ain't doing nothing else. He ain't doing nothing else at a high level. Nothing else at a high level. If he's not getting the ball in his hands, in his hands and putting the ball in the bucket, he's not doing anything at a high level. Nothing. It's, it, he, can, he can play make, okay. He's tall, what is he, like 6'6", six, six, something like that? So he can get an occasional board. So it's like, from my vantage point, I'm not seeing anything that's saying, okay, hey, this guy is definitively has the keys to the kingdom when it comes to this organization. It's still Chris Paul that's the driving force behind the, a lot of their success. It's not saying Devin Booker isn't good. But what I am saying is that right now this team is not going to be able to get where they want to go if Devin Booker doesn't step up and live up to the expectations that everybody else keeps setting for. That's going to be, that's the problem with the Phoenix Suns. Every time I think they're going to get that hurdle, it's, it's all on whether Devin Booker is going to step up and be the Devin Booker that we talk about, not the Devin Booker that actually is. We've been talking about Devin Booker for years in terms of potential, in terms of, oh, this is what he can do. We've seen him score 70 points most since Kobe. We've seen him uh, have have phenomenal one-off performances offensively. That's where his zenith is. That's where he's at his best. But we talk about him like he's playing like that all the time. And he's not. Where he actually is as a player is somebody who can give you, again, 27, 25 to 27 points. Is an okay passer. But if his offensive shot is off, he's not offering you anything else. He's not able to change the, the mode or change the game with his defense. He's not... He's not the the spark plug that can do something, then boom. Changes the whole course of the game. It's not like that. It's not like that. He's good, yes, but he's not up here. He's here. And if his team wants to win, he's got to be here. Because right now, Chris Paul, I'm still going to say, and I stand by it, Chris Paul is still a better player than Devin Booker right now. Chris Paul is still the best player on that team. Devin Booker is just the poster child that has the all the offensive production, the Kobe-esque gameplay. Oh, look at the turnaround. Look at the up and under. It's there. He bottled his game after Kobe. He's got a good mid-range. He's got a great, a good turnaround. I'm not saying his skill set is horrible. No, I'm saying he has skills. But I also understand that where he needs to be is not where he is right now. This is not the Devin Booker that should be considered a MVP candidate. I'm sorry. He's not. The fact that he was considered this year just because his team had a good record. Excuse me, just because he was considered last year, just because his team had, I believe, the best, what is it, the best record in the NBA? At one point, or a top record? When he was considered MVP, and I looked at his production, I was like, no, this is not MVP numbers. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I didn't think he should be in, in MVP consideration. Absolutely not. And lo and behold, he didn't play like that when he got to the playoffs. So right now, 
Devin Booker. John Drayton as well needs to step up and play like a big man that he actually is. DeAndre Ayton has to be the guy that they paid five years for. On top of that, it ain't just the fact that Devin Booker ain't playing up to where he actually needs to be right now as the best player. DeAndre Ayton needs to play as one of the top centers in the NBA. Because right now, he's not. After that playoff performance that he had, where he was shooting, what, 60-something percent from the field? Mid-range, everything just couldn't miss. What happened? Uh, now he barely averaging. He's not. I don't even think he's averaging a block a game. If he is, he's barely averaging a block a game. Averaging seven and eight was seven eight rebounds when he should be averaging something like ten to twelve for a player of his size and stature. All of these things are what makes him not just him, or what makes this team just not where it's supposed to be. It's just not. See me, he averaged 10 rebounds. Still should be averaging 12. Should be. He should be. He should be better than this. I'm sorry, he should be. This is a man who, for as big as strong as he is, doesn't play up to par. And while we get that contracts in today's game are, we'll say, inflated in terms of what players can get, Again, Rudy Gobert got all that money. I don't think he's worth that much. But because he's he's worth that much, you got to pay somebody that's, that's worse than him. Still a hefty penny. So the value of players has changed. But the production still needs to live up to that. And his production right now is not up to that. It's, it's, it's not. Especially on the defensive end. And because of that, on top of Devin Booker not playing up to the MVP caliber player that everybody talks about him as, and Chris Paul being the main guy to carry the load for the team, he and the rest of the Suns are not going to be able to get nearly as far as you think you're going to, as they think they're going to be able to go, nor reach the expectations that the rest of the league has for them. Again, it's preseason. So understand, all of this is very early. All of this can change. Sure. Absolutely. Unequivocally. That's not a question that this stuff can change. And they can prove, yeah, we are what what y'all said we are. We are that team. We are a threat to the entire Western Conference. The entire league is old. They can get there. But will they? With Andre not looking happy and not playing as big as he actually is, Devin Booker still, not, in my eyes, not being the best player on that team. And Jay Crowder wanting out on top of the, of potentially the weight of that loss to the Maverick still holding dear and near as a hazy cloud over the entire team of the Phoenix Suns. It's not out of the question to say this is a team that may that we may see fall off. It's not out of the question to say. Will we see where to see as time goes on? Again, this could very well be rust of the season. Just shaking it off. But still, for a defensive team as good as you are, with as high of expectations as you have, with all the weapons that you have at your disposal and the coaching that you have, and the leadership that you have, to go out and lose to an NBL team in Australia, and give up 134 points. Not even to, and not even, this isn't to the Warriors. This isn't to the Bucks. This isn't to the 76ers. This, is, this isn't to the Brooklyn Nets. This is to the 36ers. Give up 134 points to a team that isn't even in the league. That by all accounts is you are out of their league. Both literally and figuratively. In terms of location and talent. And you lose to them 
while giving up that much, that is, that is a cause for concern. It really is. Whether it's an overreaction or not, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to leave it as a viable inquiry. A justifiable question as to what is not only the headspace of the sons, but are we seeing the end of what was a fling of consistent title contention by Phoenix? And are we now going to see them every year, starting this year, slowly but surely get lower and lower in terms of, okay, where do we think this team can go? You know, all this can change. All this can change. It's way too early. I'll give you that. It's way too early. But despite that, point still stands. While it's early, it's still viable. These questions should be asked. Questions should be asked. This isn't out of the realm of possibility. If anything, this should, this should heighten this should heighten the reality of said possibility and open your eyes to see that this could actually be something that's true, that's real. We could be seeing the end of these sons stint as a consistent title contender. We could. Because if Jay Crowder's gone, if they trade him away, if DeAndre Aiden isn't happy and starts playing like he ain't happy there, Devin Booker just plays just like Devin Booker, not getting any better or worse, just the same. And Chris Paul plays exactly the same. Now we're looking at a team that got worse. All because two people that aren't even the main people are playing below their standard. Don't let Devin Booker not play well. Or worse, Chris Paul actually plays as bad as everybody's been dogging him. And we see, and we and we clearly see, oh, Chris Paul's been in the league a long time. I think we're starting to see the age become apparent. Now the production's starting to starting to to to, to, to wane. The playmaking ability is, is 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 not there like it used to be. I, I haven't said we, I have, I have not been able to say anything about that about Chris Paul up until this year. And until he proves me wrong, I'm not going to say it still. But if he does, oh, then they're, now they're in some deep mess. Now, the most mon- the, the 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 best case scenario, based on what we know about the Suns right now with both the performance and the reports about Jay Crowder and the what seemingly the visible dislike of Phoenix from DeAndre Ayton. If just Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton play bad, that's, that, that's a problem. That's a major problem. But if Devin Booker plays below his level and doesn't reach the heights that we think he's going to actually be able to reach. And lo and behold, Chris Paul all of a sudden actually shows some decline, severe decline. Because remember, Father Time is undefeated any day now. It can happen. We're looking at complete fall-off, irrelevancy. Blow up the team, maybe that may be what happens. That very well may be what happens. But we have to wait and see. But again, Start to look and start just to question. Just be on watch for this type of stuff. That's all. You got to jump to conclusions. But again, I have my own mental notes as to the problems I see with this team. What needs to be done to quell said problems that I have. And if the problems persist, What's going to be the inevitable outcome? I have that for me. Make it for yourself as well. 
That don't mean you commit to it and say, oh, yeah, this is what this team is going to be. No. The team played bad, lost how they should, lost to a team they shouldn't have lost you, and gave up too many points for a team that is not on their level offensively, nor defensively. Because of that, on top of everything that's going on internally with the Suns, my flag is up. I ain't going to wave it, but it's up. I, I at least have it in my back pocket. I took it out the cabin, and I got it over in the corner just in case. Once the season starts, if I don't need it, okay, I don't even use it. But if I do, I'm going to go grab for it. If it starts to persist, I'm going to go grab for that flag. And if it actually becomes comes to fruition, I'm waving that thing as hard as I can. And as should you. Because expectations are just that, expectations. Reality is what sets the precedent for what a team actually is. If they don't live up to what the reality should be, we got problems. We have problems. And that's what the Suns can potentially have. Wait and see, but that's what they can potentially have. But moving on from that, another team who has gotten a lot of flack for last year, a lot of drama because of some some actions of other few. The Brooklyn Nets had their game against the 76ers for a preseason. Went about it. They lost to the uh, I believe to the I believe to the 70s, not 36ers. They lost to the 76ers if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. And again. Like I said before, this is an NBA team against an NBA team in preseason. So I'm more so focused on not necessarily if they get the win, but rather how their people looked before they got taken out the lineup. And with that, I got to see essentially the fact that we are looking at a team that I'm still not high on, despite having Ben Simmons. I don't care. I do not care. This team right now in the Brooklyn Nets is a team that you have to, what you have to understand is that this team had no depth last year. No depth, no depth last year. Absolutely none. The team this year, guess what they have? Barely any depth still. Patty Mills, T.J. Warren, Seth Curry. And if Joe Harris comes off the bench, Joe Harris. The word is that. The problems that they still have last year are still apparent this year. The only difference is that they have who? Ben Simmons. That's it. That's it. And even with everything, even with everything that's been said, even with everything I've said about Ben Simmons, in terms of what he can potentially do, what he can potentially bring to the team, all of the different attributes from physicality, elite defense, playmaking, and size, and being able to finish at the hoop as another driving option, and playmake out the post, all that's there. All that's fine. All that's well and good. The real question is, what Ben Simmons are we going to see despite this preseason performance? Despite what we saw against the 76ers. Again, preseason, didn't play a bunch of minutes. Six points, five assists, four rebounds, and a steal. Pretty good game. An all right game for somebody who hasn't played in two years. Just about two years. A year and a half. Have a long. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Has had injuries. On top of that, mental issues that he got, that he was getting dealt with. So it's set out. Even with 
the low expectations that we have. At the bare minimum, those low expectations are are held to a few things. At worst, he'll be a good defender and another playmaker. But even with that bare minimum bar that people think Ben Simmons is going to bring to the roster, the problem is, can he even reach that because of this long layoff? Is he in shape? Sure. Is he in basketball shape? Yes and no. Yes, because of the fact that he's in shape. Like he's built 6'10", 240, 250, something like that. Big, strong, fast, all that stuff. But he's not in shape in terms of playing against competition. That's where he's not in shape at. He's not used to still the pace of play of a live NBA game. Nobody is. Even LeBron said it takes about 10 to 15 regular season games to get back into the mode of, okay, this is what, okay, I'm back in, the, I'm back in rhythm. I'm back in my groove. This is LeBron saying this. The, say what you want about him, whether you love him or hate him. The most disciplined player in the NBA when it comes to taking care of his body and being ready to play. He said it takes about 10 to 15 games. Ben Simmons ain't played in a year plus. Do we really think he's just going to be like that right as the season goes on? Do we, do we think he'll get back in rhythm fully even during the regular season? Will it take until the end of the season before we see Ben Simmons fully get back into what we know him to be? It's a possibility. It's a legitimate possibility. Now, maybe it won't take that long, but the point still stands. Right now, the Brooklyn Nets are looking to win. They are. They got close with the Bucks, Then they got swept. And everything that they've heard noise about that team, everything, all the noise they've heard about themselves is y'all are just a bunch of nothing. Y'all ain't done nothing. Y'all had all this talent, and y'all just a bunch of scrubs. KD and Kyrie can't do a doggone thing. This team had all the expectations, and now, boom, up in smoke. Is it egregious? Yes. Is it warranted, though? Yes. And so because of that, now you have to look at this team and say, look, yes, you signed. KD do a five-year extension. Yes, KD. And the, but you, then you went through that drama asking for a trade. For both KD and Kyrie. Couldn't move Kyrie. Couldn't move KD. KD says, okay, I'll stay. This whole cycle could happen again. Very well could happen again. And it may not, not because of vaccinations and all that stuff. But again, this team as a whole is a team that has been drama-laden its entire existence in terms of when having KD, Kyrie, and four-time James Harden, but specifically KD and Kyrie for the entire time. First it was injuries, and then it was protocol, cover protocol. Then it was Kyrie not get, wanting to get the shot. Then even before that, it was the old coaching debacle. Yeah, let's sign Steve Nash. Oh, wait, we don't need a coach. Kyrie Irving saying we don't need a coach. We just need to play. We don't really need somebody coaching us. And then you had organization giving them everything that they wanted in terms of Katie and Kyrie, but then asking for something in return. And now they're asking, now Katie and Kyrie asking for an out. Now it's a fight between can the organization put their foot down and say, hey, we in control here? Or is it the players that have the actual keys to the kingdom? Then all this stuff, everything. Having a big three and then leaving because, again, Kyrie Irving. James Harden says, no, I'm not dealing with this. I'm gone. This team, for as much as we think they're able to get it together, they haven't been able to get it together. It's been one thing after another. 
whether it's injury or otherwise. And so, coming into this season, without COVID protocol over their heads, with Kyrie able to play every game, guess what? The problem can still persist that we can see something else happen and Kyrie doesn't play. We can see an injury happen with KD and then boom, gone. Or we can see Ben Simmons injure himself again or come back and mentally not be ready to be able to play. And now we're seeing a shell of what Ben Simmons can be. All of this stuff is a legitimate, viable concern. It is warranted that this stuff should be at least on your radar in terms of what the Brooklyn Nets can actually be. Because going up and down the roster, they are they are not really built to compete with a lot of teams outside of their starting five. The potential of what they can be is up there, but the production is yet to be seen because there's so many unknown variables as to what this team is. So many. Is their interior defense actually going to show up? Is their defense in general going to be able to show up now that Ben Simmons is going to be the guy leading the charge? Can Kyrie Irving stay healthy for more than 50 games to give this team an opportunity to gel and play together? All of this stuff is legitimate. And because of that, it's warranted to ask, hey, is this Brooklyn Nets team really going to be all that? Or are we just letting the limelight of big name who had a bunch of drama in Philly come back to revitalize his career? And Kyrie Irving and KD and their star power overshadow what the actual ability of this team actually is. Which is based on track record, a team that at their best can't compete with the best teams in the league, but outside of everybody playing on cloud nine on the roster and KD doing heroics in the playoffs, their first round exit, or second round exit, excuse me. Or excuse me. To encompass everything. An early round exit. Yeah. This is a team that at their best, hey, we can, hey, hey, hey. This squad's got some dunction. This squad, this squad might be something serious if they can put it all together. Problem is, they ain't been able to put it all together. Because Despite all the star power, coaching isn't that great. Excuse me, coaching is horrible. Steve Nash is not a great coach. In general, in my estimation, couple that with management and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving still may not be on good terms. On top of getting Ben Simmons, who hasn't played in so long, back and we don't know what version of Ben Simmons we're going to get. This is a team that is incredibly volatile in the worst kind of way. If you were going to gauge Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets, gauge them as a exciting team to watch, but not get out of the second round. That's what I would gauge the Brooklyn Nets as. Incredibly exciting to see. Box office in terms of they'll make iconic plays. They'll do stupid stuff that's just like, I can't believe I just saw it. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Type of stuff. Sure. For entertainment value, oh yeah, they, they, they're right up there. Watching KD score 30 on 11 shots, only missing one. Watching Kyrie... No, play with defenders. 
Cool. But it's going to be fun to watch, absolutely. Absolutely. But everything else about that team, for me, looks to me like a team that is, you're going to be fun, but I ain't going to see you long. It, that, just the truth. You fun to see, but I ain't going to see you long. It's like a girl that you got that, that, that you have a fling with. Oh, for, the, for these, you know, three hours, are we going to have a time? But I ain't waking up with you in the morning. You're probably going to have to get out. And, or, or rather, if we can flip it, whether it's the man or the woman meeting up with somebody else. The man who have, will enjoy whoever they're with or the woman will enjoy whoever they're with, their partner, for, for the night. Absolutely. But you ain't going to see them. You won't even see them in the bed after 6 o'clock. They'll be gone already. Once, once 6 a.m. hits, don't even bother trying to make them breakfast. They're already out the door. Because they they're there for a good time, not for a long time. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's what the Brooklyn Nets are. They're there for a good time. They're not there for a long time. The Brooklyn Nets are a team that they are there to excite you. They got big names. They got big storylines. They're there to, to, oh my gosh, I got to tune in to see what this team's going to be. They're, they're there for a good time. Oh, you get to watch them work. Oh, that's going to be exciting. Absolutely. But then they ain't there for a long time because then when it's time to hunker down, when the woman or man starts asking their partner, hey, what are we? <laughs> now you get a situation where uh, they, they're different. They're gone. They're gone and they're getting kicked out. Because they ain't there for a long time. They ain't there for sustained success. Currently, that's not how that team is built right now. They can prove me wrong, and I'll be surprised, but right now, they're not built to be able to stay for a long time come postseason. This is the second-round exit at best type of team. That's not me trying to be too egregious or too uh, um, um, harsh on the team as a whole. But everything that happened last year, potentially there's still some bad blood there. Potentially there's still some animosity between the organization and the players. That's KD and Kyrie. On top of Ben Simmons, we don't know where his headspace is at. We don't know where his body's at. We're going to have to see once the regular season starts. Couple that with the health of people like Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Better even be healthy for the whole year. All of that comes into play as to where I, I think this team can feasibly go. And feasibly, this team is there for a good time, not a long time. Regular season, incredibly exciting. Once they get to the playoffs, second round exit. May even get swept again. Because outside of Ben Simmons and TJ Warren, nothing on this team has changed. Nothing on this team has changed. And you're not getting Michael Jordan. You're not getting Michael Jordan, TJ Warren. You're not getting the the, the, the the greatest player that we've ever seen in the modern era for uh, for eight games. We're not seeing we're not seeing one of the most unstoppable forces on the offensive end. Yeah, this game of basketball has ever seen in the bubble. That we're not you're not getting that TJ Warren. You're not getting the TJ Warren. That would you rather have him or Michael Jordan in the bubble? You're not getting that TJ Warren. You're getting the 18 to you know 20 point okay defender, TJ Warren, who mind you isn't even starting on this team. So throw that 20 points out the window. And then you know, 12 to 15 points. Okay defender has size, but doesn't really bring anything. Of note to the table. Unless he just goes off and turns into bubble TJ Warren again. One of the greatest players that basketball has ever seen. 
Unless he turns into that. Nothing's changed on this roster. Nothing's changed with what this Brooklyn Nets team is actually about. Nothing. And unless we see Ben Simmons just completely revamp and change this entire defensive makeup of what this team is capable of, we're going to see the same thing. Early exit, potential sweep, a bunch of noise and highlights in the regular season, and then boom. KD can have a phenomenal postseason. Kyrie Irving can even step up, but it's all for naught. Because they're too volatile of a team. Between the injuries, animosity amongst the organization, between players and, and management, not believing in the coach, even though they even though they asked for the coach. And then Ben Simmons not be, potentially not even being the same Ben Simmons that you expect to get that came from Philly. When I, I'm not even asking for him to be able to shoot. I'm just asking for him to be the exact same player. If he if he's not even that, you this is gonna be bad. Very bad for the Brooklyn Nets. This is gonna be the, the culmination of one of the worst failures of a super team that we've seen in recent memory. From James Harden, KD, and Kyrie. James Harden, KD, and Ben Simmons previously got swept and now the next chapter may be the final chapter in terms of, oh, okay, well that's the story of what this team is. That's the story of what this team is. We could be the seeing the final pages of what the potential super team, potentially what was what could have been the greatest offensive team that we've ever seen in NBA history in James Harden, KD, and Kyrie to this is Brooklyn? That's going to be the title of the chapter. This is the Brooklyn Nets? Or even better, it's going to be the title of that chapter. It's going to be what have we become? Uh Uh-uh-uh. What have we become? That's going to be the, that, that, this would be the ending to that chapter. What have we become? Because you're not, you're unrecognizable. This is, this Brooklyn team looks to be at a crossroads of what, where their future is actually going to lie. Because if they have another bad season, watch, Katie's going to ask for another trade. Kyrie's going to make some noise and might get out as well. And they may just trade Ben Simmons just because to get some more assets. Very well could be the case. So this team is looking to be sketchy. Sketchy. It is an incredibly, it's a, this is a baking soda and vinegar team. In the worst kind of way. Things, this season can explode for the Brooklyn Nets, but in all for all the wrong reasons. We're gonna have to wait and see. Once the season starts, fifteen games into the year, let's see how this team is actually performing. I hope I'm wrong, but if I'm not, you're gonna see some noise being said about the Brooklyn Nets, and mark my words. There's going to be some moves made. Somebody's going to get out. Either by force or by choice. Either by force or by choice. Somebody's going to get out. I can guarantee that. By force or by choice, somebody's going to get out. Somebody's going to be gone. We got to wait and see who that is and if that actually happens. But only time will tell. We got to wait and see. But that's why I love the NBA season because it's so many stories and so much stuff that can be drawn just from the smallest instances. But this ain't no small instance. Mark my words. This is going to be a major, 
problem for Brooklyn, potentially, as time goes on. But this has been another episode of The Welch Report. I have been your host, John Luke Welch. I am so happy that you chose to listen to my show today. Please leave a like on the video, comment your thoughts and opinions, and share this channel and subscribe to the channel. Please subscribe. Join the movement. Join the army. Yes, join the Welch army. We got the juice. <laughs> We, we got the juice if you subscribe if you subscribe you got the juice too so please join the join the channel subscribe to Apple Podcasts and listen on Apple Podcasts Spotify and all major platforms and again thank you for listening share the channel with everybody that you know this has been the Welch Report I've been your host John Welch peace and love we are out of here <laughs>